It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the U.S. Uh, Food and Drug Administration announcing the fourth dose mm-hmm. of the COVID-19 vaccine in the United States for people over 50, right? Yep. Big news. Big news. Uh, it's going to... so. The track record has been, uh, we're always a few weeks behind the U.S. in terms of these drug approvals. I talked to uh, Dr. Brian Henry a couple of weeks ago. They are working on uh, on the expectation that it, this uh, fourth dose was coming to B.C. And they're just working out the, the time frame on which to administer it. And this would be for older, in the States, it's p- for people age 50 and older. Right. It may be a slightly older demographic in, in B.C. It might be 70 or over. We don't know yet. But uh, the window here is probably May or June is what I'm betting of um, Canada approving, Health Canada approving the fourth dose. So the way it works in the States, the Food and Drug Administration has now approved it. Now it goes to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, for their approval. Uh, then it starts to begin administered within, it could happen within a week. And, be, and again, Canada is a few weeks behind the U.S. on this. So I expect the fourth dose to be offered to people age 15 or older, perhaps a little older than that. I would suspect sometime in May or June. What are you hearing from people? I mean, I know you get tons of emails on this stuff every day. Like are a lot of people saying to you, I want the fourth oh, dose yeah. of the vaccine. Well, it's interesting. I just looked at the, the, the take up rate for, um, for the fourth dose. So people age 70 and older, it's about 86% right now. But as you get, uh, younger, the take-up rate is nowhere near as high as the second dose. I mean, we're at second plus ninety percent for second dose, pretty well right across the board, except for the kids age five to eleven. But the third dose, not as big a take-up, and that was not unexpected. That was uh, the feeling was that people in their thirties and forties and their twenties would be less likely to get a, a third dose because they didn't think they needed it. But what we're seeing in other jurisdictions around the world, notably China, Hong Kong, South Korea, and parts of Europe now, where the numbers are starting to creep up, the hospitalizations are uh, creeping up. Actually, they're actually uh, sky high in China and Hong Kong. It's a scary situation, what's happening there. Shanghai is in lockdown, 25 million people. They took the what's called the COVID zero strategy, which is pretend that you just lock everything down and the virus will go away. That's not, and we're discovering, no, that's not how it works. The virus can go through closed doors and such. So the fourth dose, and again, we're seeing uh, older people continue to be more vulnerable to the virus. The worst, most severe outcomes of the virus, either ICUs or deaths or hospitalizations, even with two doses in some of these other jurisdictions. So that's why... There's going to be a bit of an urgency to get that fourth dose uh, if you're an older age group. So you expect approval of the fourth dose in Canada over the, in the next few weeks? I would expect so. I mean, if you, the track record has been for our Health Canada to follow the U.S. health authorities uh, a few yeah. weeks after the, the green yeah. light is made down there. Okay, I was. Let's talk about uh, BC's Human Rights Commissioner Kasseri Govender yesterday releasing a letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, urging her to not cancel the mask mandate. So I thought this was interesting that I'm looking at this letter and it's framed as a back to school announcement from the human rights commissioner Mm -hmm. saying that kids, basically we should keep the mask mandate in schools. If you read the text of the letter, it sounds like an argument to to bring back the mask mandate province-wide yeah. in indoor public spaces. And her rationale on it is that she says there are groups that are more vulnerable to the virus. And she says people who are immunocompromised, older people, indigenous people, racialized groups, people with disabilities, 
low-income communities. She argues they're or they are all more vulnerable to the virus, well, she, which I think is is potentially a, a good a, a point that she could make. But then she says, "Bring back the mask mandate." Yeah. Is it? Is she stepping outside her lane here? I mean, she's the human well, rights commissioner. So. She's telling Bonnie Henry what to she, do. She's not the first human rights commissioner to delve into subjects that have really nothing to do with her office. But, I mean, that's her argument. But she's not a scientist. She's not a doctor. Uh, again, the the illness in young kids right now is not a great number compared to um, what we've seen. Basically, there's been no real change in that. Now, there has been change in that in other jurisdictions, so we're always got to be wary of what happens when we change the rules uh you can be sure public health authorities are going to be looking at the at the numbers on a daily basis in terms of illnesses uh, positive cases and hospitalizations if we see a sudden spike in hospitalizations of, of young kids for example which we have not seen then we would probably revisit the mask rule but i don't see a human rights commission telling public health what to do so you anticipate what Dr. Bonnie Henry, would she even, well, I imagine she would respond to the letter if she gets a letter from the Human Rights Commissioner, but I'm, I suspect her her uh, response will be, no, the ma- they're dropping the mask mandate. Yeah, no, and other there's been other interest groups have, have balked at dropping the mask mandate. I mean, all along, the BC Teachers Federation has been questioning whether some of the public health measures over time, saying yeah. that they, they didn't like... At one point, schools even being open. Then they wanted a more rigorous mask policy. Um, so, and then eventually there was a mask policy in schools, which is fit what the teachers were looking for. Now we're in a different uh, situation with with such high vaccination rates. We're at a different time of year right now than we were in the winter. The cases have been dropping. The positivity rate has been going down. Hospitalization has been going down. But I note again the hospital number, hospitalization number from Friday to Monday, jumped by almost thirty which was the f- biggest increase we've seen in months. So hopefully that's just a, a three-day thing that's not going to continue. We'll see what the number is today. But I know it again, the numbers in, in parts of Europe, they fear a sixth wave. The states, is, some parts of the states are fearing another wave coming through. So as I've been saying since day one, uh, things are always changing, yeah. always evolving. The mass mandate is gone right now, but it, it could certainly come back. Okay, let's talk about a feisty session of the B.C. legislature yesterday in question period. And once again, it was gas prices sort of leading uh, the topic list for the opposition. And child care? Child care as well. And renter's rebate? A lot of it's affordable. All affordability. Affordability, right? Affordability. I mean, this is an NDP government that effectively ran on the issue of Mm -hmm. affordability. Now a lot of people are feeling the pinch. I've got to call them out this week, pointing out they, they did win two elections largely on the issue of affordability. But now this could become an albatross around their neck because there are a lot of things going on beyond their control that weren't happening for the last five years. You're going to see a surge in oil prices. Uh, the events in Ukraine and the sanctions against Russia are going to have a, start to have a huge impact on the commodities market. That is wood, the price of wood, the price of fuel, energy, food. All sorts of things are going to go up. Inflation is now approaching 5% in BC. It could go higher. Some analysts think it will go down by the end of the year. Who knows? But all these things are at play now that they weren't a few years ago. And the NDP, I, 
my take is stop bragging that you can you're delivering on the affordability argument because you can't deliver right now. Okay, well let's listen to a couple of clips of John Horgan here yesterday in question period. So here is the premier now. He's being attacked here by the liberals over high gas prices. The liberals are not impressed with that one hundred and ten dollar ICBC rebate that Horgan announced last week to counteract high gas prices. So listen how he tries to turn it around on the liberals here and remind them that he cut their bridge tolls, especially in the city of Surrey. Have a listen. It's all easy for the uh, official opposition to say we've done nothing about affordability because it completely dismisses and discounts the fact that we did away with their tolls what? that they brought in to put on the $1,500 for drivers in Surrey. Of course, you wouldn't know that because there's only one member from Surrey on that side of the house. But $1,500 is a big deal. I thought it was interesting how he reminded them, oh, you've only got one MLA in Surrey now because the NDP sort of cleaned their clock on that toll issue in Surrey in the last election, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's not a bad comeback line by Horgan. The problem he's got, though... Uh, that was almost five years ago. Yeah. And we're talking about the here and now. Yeah. Uh, people have forgotten about the MSP premiums, the bridge tolls. It's it's great uh, for if you're a motorist. You don't have to pay that anymore. But you contrast that with what you're seeing now with the supply chain issues, shortage of goods in stores, rising gas prices, rising food prices, an unsolvable housing situation. The affordability issue is no longer an advantage for the NDP. Okay, here's another one that Horgan had to say yesterday. Now, Horgan, a little bit of a slip of the lip here in question period yesterday. The Liberals jumped all over him for this. Oh, he's under sustained attack over this affordability stuff. Now, listen carefully to how Horgan fires back at them here and then the Liberal reaction. This is yesterday. Have a listen. Got very few rocks to throw. You pick up the same one and throw it over and over again. But I don't understand the supportability stuff. With the, the guy that's coming in, the guy, the guy that's coming in, the guy that's coming in, Kevin Falcon. Members, come to order, please. Okay, so the line there was, I don't understand this affordability you stuff. Can, you can be sure that is going to, already the B.C. Liberals are preparing a campaign ad to unveil yeah. <laughs> at some point with a picture of John Horgan and that quote right beside his face with the date in which he said it. It's uh, it's, it's another Horganism that he'll come to regret. Yeah, I don't understand this affordability yeah. stuff. I'm sure he would love to take that one back. You know, sometimes, you know, you make a mistake. You, you trip over your words. And what the opposition, of course, they'll turn it into a meme. They'll turn it into a campaign well, ad. A good example, just recently, Horgan talking about um, taking the bus yeah. instead of driving. Right. Which, on one hand, yes, you can see that argument. Yeah, maybe you should consider transit. On the other hand, you can certainly frame that a different way, which uh, in a very negative connotation, which, again, what the BC Liberals are doing. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat. The phone lines are open. Lots of calls here. Blake in the West End. Hi, Blake. Go ahead. Hello there. I'd like to know, I can't get a straight answer on this. Okay, are they going by the ICBC now? Are they going by the license plates that you have on your vehicles, or are they going by just one? Now, for example, I have three vehicles, so does that mean I get a $110 um, on each vehicle? Well, do you have a separate ICBC policy for each vehicle? You must have, right? Yes, that's well, right. Well, I would, I would imagine... You would get three checks. I would think so. I think it's per yeah. policy holder. Yeah. Uh, California, for example, the governor there just announced $400 per vehicle yeah. is, is their rebate down there. I would assume that for every policy you have, you get a rebate. Blake, I think you're going to get three checks, okay? So I think you'll get 330 bucks total, but I'll check it for you. You have three All cars right? in the West End. That's, that's pretty <laughs> impressive in terms of parking. 
Yeah, I'll check that for you, Blake. But I think you should get three three separate checks. Michael in Coquitlam. Hi, Michael. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, I'm just calling to say that I agree uh, that there should be a mask mandate in BC schools. It's just because it's impossible to have physical distancing in practice in schools. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, that, that this is the argument that the Human Rights Commissioner has put in front of Bonnie Henry to, to not drop that mask mandate. I don't think that will have any impact. Our, our policy basically mirrors everyone else's policy. Yeah. It's, it's not, we're not going back on that unless the cases spike in number. Uh, we don't have physical distancing at Vancouver Canucks games either, and we're not seeing transmission happening there. So when the positivity rate is dropping, uh, the R number is dropping, the cases are dropping, the hospitalizations are dropping, except for the last weekend. Uh, that doesn't support the argument to bring back masks. What's the teachers' union's position on that? You know, I, I are they calling for the Johnston. mask amendment? I haven't talked to Clint Johnston yet about that or heard his policy. I know Terry Maureen's been critical of some of the policies in, in regards to some of the measures in schools. So I think the school the teachers would largely favor a return to mandatory. I don't, I, but I don't think I've heard the teachers' no, union saying keep the mask mandate no, in place. I haven't heard that either. So and, and of course it, it's still voluntary. I mean, if you're a teacher, a student, staffer, you can still wear the mask if you want. I live across the street from right? an elementary school in Victoria today, or. Um, uh, I expect, again, just talking to young parents in my neighborhood, about half of them think their kids are going to continue to wear masks. Keep wearing the mask, yeah. Let's go to Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris, go ahead. Hey, I just want to talk about the uh, the rebate from ICBC. Uh, I drive an electric car, and I know that uh, there's been a lot of piling on about electric cars. Uh, gas prices have not only just affected the consumer uh, for gas, but it also affected everything, the price of everything. Also, I pay over $300 a month for my car into ICBC, so I'm a big part of uh, the, the rebate or, or the excess money that ICBC has now to give back. So why should I also not be able to get that back? Maybe it's not because you don't gas, because you don't have to buy doing, gas because you don't have to buy gas. That's why. But I no, but you're, you're still getting the rebate. You're, you're getting. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You're you're an ICBC policyholder, so you're going to get the rebate. Right, well, they, well they, his argument was people were dumping on electric vehicle owners for getting this rebate, but he's saying should. he deserves the rebate. I don't disagree with him. I don't think this is a gas uh, rebate. It's it's an ICBC rebate. If you're an ICBC customer, whether you drive an electronic vehicle or a gas guzzler, you're entitled to but this they, rebate. But they framed it as gas price relief. And I think that was a mistake because it's not gas price relief. It's, it's well, insurance relief. Well, why did the premier's office then put out a statement saying if you get if you own an electric vehicle and you get the $110 rebate, you should consider donating it to charity? Uh, one of the silliest things I've heard, <laughs> quite so frankly. How many people are going uh, to do I, that? I think pretty well zero. <laughs> Maybe some will. I don't know. Those electronic vehicle owners are also experiencing a huge co price in the cost of living. It's got sure. nothing to do with their car. Uh, they're also well, paying higher food prices. They're also paying uh, higher prices on a number of commodities, just like everyone else. It doesn't matter if you drive an electronic well, vehicle get, or not. Get, you know what? Listen, if an electric vehicle owner gets this 110 bucks and they say, I'm not giving it to charity, I'm, I'm putting it in my bank account and spending it on grocery, I wouldn't blame, blame them one bit. I mean, you get money from ICBC... I don't think the government should tell you to give it to no, charity. No, exactly. Louise in Surrey. Hi, Louise. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I wanted to change the topic here and talk about uh, Minister Nicholas Simon. 
uh, Simons the other day who mocked um, MLA Trevor Halford when he uh, spoke about uh, families dealing with autism. Uh, I don't know if you saw that where uh, Simons made this crying gesture like boo-hoo, cry me a river sort of thing. Uh, really disgusting uh, to see this. Um, but it just seems to me like the NDP are treating children and youth with autism as collateral damage. Thank you, Louise. Their- I, hate, I hate to step on you. are out of time. Keep- yeah, the autism funding model change has certainly proved to be controversial. I didn't see what she was referring to he in the was, house the guy, He was making this sort of, oh, boo-hoo, cry your eyes out type of thing when the Liberals were complaining. Yeah, I, again, I didn't see that, but uh, it has been an issue the Liberals have effectively prosecuted in the House, and it's not over yet.